Welcome to Hillside Community Church's weekly podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to listen to this week's message and hope that it ministers to you today. Hillside's located in Keller, Texas, and if you would like to know more about us or to listen to previous recordings, please visit us at yourhillside.com. And now, this week's message. astronaut I'm entering this log for the record uh, in case I don't make it uh, it is oh, 6.53 on Sol 19 and I'm alive obviously but I'm guessing that's going to come as a surprise to my crewmates and to NASA and to the entire world really so Surprise! I did not die on Sol 18, uh, best I can figure. This length of our primary communications antenna broke off and tore through my biomonitor and ripped a hole in me as well. Uh, but the, the antenna and, and the blood really managed to seal the breach in my suit, which kept me alive, even though the crew must have thought I was dead. I have no way to contact NASA And even if I could, it's going to be four years until a manned mission can reach me. And I'm in a hab designed to last 31 days. If the oxygenator breaks, I'm going to suffocate. If the water reclaimer breaks, I'll die of thirst. If the hab breaches, I'm just going to kind of implode. And if by some miracle none of that happens, eventually I'm going to run out of food. So, yeah. So as uh, you've heard, we're in the middle of a series on Psalms this summer, and uh, we've done about three Psalms so far, about halfway through. Uh, the very first week, Cody took us through Psalm 42 and taught us what it means to thirst after God. And then uh, Daniel Starnes, uh, one of our worship pastors, took a couple weeks and taught us from Psalm 19 about tuning in to what God has to say and how do we hear God's voice in our life. And then last week, Psalm 119, Pastor Dave uh, reminded us of the importance of God's Word and using God's Word as a part of our daily life. So we're in the middle of this series, but what none of them have touched on so far is the subtitle of the series. It's called Wrestling with God. And so um, what does it mean? Why did we subtitle this series Wrestling with God? Well, we're going to talk about that today, why Psalms are compared to a wrestling match. So the concept of wrestling uh, with God is actually not a foreign concept in Scripture. The nation of Israel actually originated in a wrestling match. So you've got the patriarchs of the nation of Israel. You've got Abraham, you've got Isaac, you've got Jacob. So you hear those names a lot. So Jacob is the third of that patriarch. But really, he's the one that kind of made the nation what it is. Because Abraham had one son, Isaac had two Jacob had 12 that ended up being, you know, hundreds, thousands, and all of that. So that's where the nation came from. So Jacob's brother Esau, and he didn't necessarily get along. As a matter of fact, they came to a point where they thought 
Jacob thought Esau was going to attack him and his family and wipe them out. Well, uh, that's where we see this wrestling match with God. It's found in Genesis chapter 32, starts in verse 24. So here's what it says. So Jacob's spending the night alone. A man wrestled with him until daybreak. When that man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched and he wrestled as he wrestled the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, well, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and you have overcome. So the surrounding verses make it clear that this was no ordinary wrestling match. That was not a normal human being that he was wrestling with. It was some sort of heavenly being, perhaps an angel, perhaps a, a human incarnation of God himself, but certainly a representation of God in this wrestling match that he's going through, okay? And what it did was the result of this wrestling match was not just that Jacob walked with a limp the rest of his life, but there was a relationship between God and between Jacob that went forever, that went for eternity. And that relationship, as you see, God changed his name to Israel. And in the relationship, in the wrestling between Israel and God, they wrestled to figure out faith. They wrestled to figure out life. So it all started with a wrestling match. Anybody here ever wrestle? Like real wrestling, not just like put, okay, we got a couple, way more than in first service. You guys are the real amazing athletes of the world. I wrestled one year, my sophomore year of high school. But I didn't do it on purpose, actually. Um, the reason that I wrestled is because right before wrestling season, right at the end of football season, um, I played football, and right at the end of football season, the wrestling coach, the real wrestling coach at our uh, school quit, my high school quit. So Coach Feinsilver, the football coach, had to be the wrestling coach for one season. And he informed us all the last day of football practice that everybody on the football team would also be on the wrestling team that year. Unless, unless, that was one condition. If you were on another sport, if you were on another sports team at the school, then you didn't have to wrestle. So I went out for basketball. Of course, I'd never played basketball before in my entire life. My dad played basketball, and I think he saw something in me that told him that he should never teach me how to play basketball. So I didn't play um, until I tried out my sophomore year just so I didn't have to wrestle. Well, that didn't last very long because the coaches figured out what my dad already knew about me. And so... Um, the next day, I was in the wrestling room having my face smeared in the mat with the rest of my football teammates for the remainder of that winter. And uh, I hated it. It was extremely hard. After playing football, you would have thought I was in shape, but uh, even though a wrestling match only lasts six minutes, at least that's what they told me, I never actually saw the end of a wrestling match. Um, it was way harder than an entire football game. Way harder than an entire football game. But I learned a bunch through my season wrestling. I learned through the pain. I learned through the agony. I learned through injury and through illness. I actually missed six weeks of school the spring semester of my sophomore year. I think it's because all those guys were slobbering all over each other in the wrestling season. But somehow, something happened that I was able to learn through the midst of all of those things. And God does that with us. God uses the tough parts of life to help us to grow. Now, he understands that we might hate it, but he uses it anyway. See, God's not afraid to wrestle with us. He's not afraid to get down and dirty with us. He's not afraid of the ups and downs of our lives. He's not afraid of our feelings. He's not afraid of our emotions. And that's why the book of Psalms has so many different types of Psalms in it. There's so many different genres. There's the Psalms of praise. Those are the ones, those are the ones we sing in church. 
that we use in our, our song lyrics, right? Um, there's the Psalms of Lament, kind of the it sucks to be me Psalms. Those are the ones that you pray when, you know, you aren't, when you're sick, when you're worried about something, um, when you feel like your enemies are pressing in on you. They're very helpful for that. And they're also the ones you sing when your girlfriend stole your truck along with your Conway Twitty CDs and they realize your hound dog was in the back as she drove off. So then there's the really fun ones. These are called the Psalms of Imprecation. The Psalms of Imprecation. Those are the ones we never talk about in church because those are the, like, the super fun ones. But we don't talk about them because nice Christians aren't supposed to pray that their enemy's children will be dashed against the rocks. But God let them be in there, right? So there's got to be a reason. And the reason is because God's not afraid of whatever we're feeling, whatever emotions we're going through, and he lets us express them. He let the psalmist do that too. And then, of course, there's other types, psalms of special occasions, you know, like the kind of psalms that might come out in a holiday season for us. You know, we bring out certain songs every year at Christmas and only at Christmas, thankfully. Um, so some, you know, those types of things are all in there. There's all kinds of different psalms, and they allow us to engage with God, to wrestle with God no matter what we're going through, no matter what the year brings or what events are happening, no matter what our emotions bring, they allow us to wrestle through life with God. Okay? It doesn't matter if we're in a vengeful mood, a happy mood, a repentant mood. It's okay. We can do that. Now, I've spent the summer reading through the book of Psalms as we launched into this series. And um, I read a lot of it while we were at kids camp. You just saw Pastor Anthony talk about camp. And what I love about camp is it's like a big lab, like a life lab, like a science lab. You know, you pour a bunch of... Um, chemicals together and when you mix them all together something like sometimes something new happens you find some new wonderful thing that changes the world in a positive way sometimes they blow up but when you mix them together all of that happens and you learn through that process right so the life lab of camp is so good because you mix all these kids together with different leaders that aren't their parents but are there there to make sure they're good and safe and all that stuff and then we're talking about God at camp and they they get all that together and sometimes they blow up Sometimes something new happens and a new friendship is formed or a new thought comes into their mind, but always they learn something. So that's what's so great about camp. Now, we could call camp a wrestling match because it's very similar to that as well. That's just not a very good marketing tool to get you to send your children, your third graders, uh, to kids camp with us. But it's kind of like that. You go through hard moments, you go through good moments, and then you learn and you grow because of it. Reading through the Psalms at camp became this great tool for us. So I would read through the Psalms at camp, and then we'd have a leaders meeting every morning. I led the guys, counselors, and, and Amy led the ladies, counselors. And it became our devotional material because as I was reading through it, I'd be like, man, that reminds me of what I felt like yesterday when that kiddo went through that tough time. And so I'd read that to the leaders, and we'd say, you know, God's okay with us struggling through this. We'd talk about that. And then we'd see some kids that had given their lives to Christ, and we'd talk about that, and I'd say, let's read this psalm of praise. And so the psalms became this tool book, this toolbox for us to help us to be able to relate to all the different things that we experience in this microcosm of the craziness of life that we call kids camp. Psalms can also be that kind of tool for us in our normal everyday lives. Now, I showed you a clip at the beginning of this from the, the movie The Martian, and uh, it's a futuristic look at an astronaut who gets left for dead on Mars, and it's his quest for survival on the red planet. 
So I want you to take another look at this, uh, at, at another clip from the movie. It shows astronaut Mark Watney as he begins to develop a plan for how he's going to survive. Sour chicken. to last 31 souls for redundancy they send 68 souls worth of food that's for six people so for just me that's going to last 300 souls which i figure i can stretch to 400 if i ration so i got to figure out a way to grow three years worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows luckily i'm a botanist will come to fear my botany powers. All right, so as difficult as the sport of wrestling is, there's actually a more difficult kind of wrestling than that. See, the first wrestling match in the Bible is in Genesis 34, where God wrestles with Jacob, but there's a much more difficult kind of wrestling that we see earlier in the scriptures, found in Genesis chapter 3. And it's when, after Adam and Eve sinned, God has them uh, have to start to begin to produce their own food. So here we see it here. God says this, because you listened to your wife, you ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you. You must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, through wrestling, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. The more difficult kind of wrestling produce what we see here. The curse of the fall is that Adam and all of humanity would have to wrestle with the ground to produce what they were going to eat. Planting, farming, is a form of wrestling. Have you ever tried to plant a garden? 
I've never farmed anything, but you try to plant a garden. That's a difficult thing to do, right? All the maintenance, all the weeding, all the feeding and the watering, all those things, it's complicated to do. Think about having to plant an entire farm, okay? Now, we went and visited some family. Uh, one of Jenny's uh, uncles and aunts, they live on a farm. They don't farm it. They purchase this big piece of property. They live on the front end of it, and then they rent out the rest of the space to farmers. So, but we get to spend time on the farm. And just on the front, front part of the farm, just a, a handful of acres on the front, they maintain that part themselves. But in order to do that, they have to have some equipment that helps them. And my two-year-old son, Jaden, uh, his favorite part about being on the farm was he would go out to the garage, go out to the big barn, and he wanted to drive the trucks. Okay, so here's a picture of him driving one of the trucks. So this is one of six uh, tools that they have all the way from just a riding lawnmower all the way up to a backhoe that they would use just to maintain a handful of acres of property that weren't actually farm property. They had to have some pretty heavy equipment to do that. So think about planting an entire farm without the help of modern tools. And then you can see how farming is like wrestling. Farming is super, super hard work. From a physical standpoint, it was the hardest thing humanity would ever have to do, but it was absolutely necessary for their survival. Back on Mars, Mark Watney began the long, difficult process of bringing dirt inside the hab where he lived. It was backbreaking work. It was dirty. It was messy. And in case you didn't catch it, those little packages that he was opening, that was freeze-dried feces. And he, he used it as human fertilizer. So dirt, water, hard work, backbreaking work, fertilizer, all of those things are necessary to grow a crop. Wrestling with the earth is not easy. But all of the work is necessary for survival and necessary for growth. Now, I'm supposed to be talking about Psalm 1. So you may be wondering, at what point is he actually going to open up the Bible and talk about Psalm 1? Well, I'm taking all this time to set it up because I've had a number of people say to me, Oh, Psalm 1, I hear you're doing that. That's one of my favorite psalms. It's such a familiar psalm, and it has such, in some ways, a simple message. And yes, it's very deep. But I want to talk about what it says, but I also want to talk about why it says it, and why Psalm 1 is in fact Psalm 1. Why it's the first one that's in there. So in order to do that, you got to understand, remember, Scripture wasn't just some magical thing that was handed down 
from God. It didn't come floating down. That's what I love about the reality of the Bible is it happened in realness. It happened in real life. And so people who were wrestling through life wrote down their thoughts. I'm wrestling with God. I, I'm, I'm interacting with God. And they would write it down. They would write it down because they wanted to help themselves in that interaction. And they wanted to help other people in that inter interaction. And then eventually... Of the 150 psalms that we have in what we call the book of Psalms, somebody decided to collect them together. Somebody was the editor that brought them all together. Okay, Many scholars, Eugene Peterson, N.T. Wright, a bunch of other uh, scholars, most scholars as a matter of fact, and people that I respect, believe that they were edited as a tool to be used during the Babylonian exile. So Israel had become a nation. Then they had failed to uh, really follow God. And so God sends them away to, uh, to Babylon. They no longer had anything that was familiar to them to hold on to. They didn't have the city of Jerusalem. They didn't have their temple. They didn't have their homes. They didn't even have their farmland. And remember, the farmland was the promised land. That's where God said, I will put you here. That is my promise. That's my covenant. That's what connects you to me, God said. And now God let them go as far far away from that as they possibly could imagine going. They're in exile in Babylon, and they hated it. They wrestled with God in the midst of it. But God allowed them to be there because he wanted them to grow. He wanted them to grow. Now, it's difficult for us to understand how devastating the exile would have been to them um, because we live in such a modern, connected world. I'm flying to Colorado tomorrow morning. Um, I'm taking my two daughters with me. We're, I'm going to hand them off. Not hand them off. I'm going to take them to my parents, and they're going to hang out with my parents for a few days in Colorado. And my daughter was uh, asking me how long it was going to take to get there. And I said, well, we'll probably be about two hours on the plane. And earlier this summer, we drove, you know, it seemed like we drove forever to get to wherever we were visiting. So, it, but we can do that. We can just hop in a plane and be somewhere in two hours or in an hour or in 10 hours. And even the whole concept of Babylon in this day and age, we hear about that literally every single day on the news. We hear about Iraq. We hear about Iran. We hear about the Middle East. That is not that far away for us. But it was for them. So how can we get a grasp of how far that was? Literally, the farthest reaches of their imagination. Well, it's not anywhere on our planet. It's not the moon, because we've been there, done that, right? So it has to be somewhere like Mars. So being on Mars in this story that we're looking at um, with Mark Watney is kind of like the modern day equivalent of Babylon. It is literally as far away as we can possibly imagine being from everything that connects us to God, to other people, to who we are. Well, Psalm 1 is the first psalm in a book that was edited to be a guidebook for the wrestling match of the exile because it sets up the whole book. It's there for a reason. It's the introduction for a reason. I told you the, the book of Psalms is uh, a bunch of prayers. It's a bunch of songs. That's what we typically think of it as. I actually had a, brec a breakfast with a guy on Tuesday, and he said, yeah, I know you're preaching on Psalms, and I, Psalm 1, and I read it, and it's more like a proverb. Yeah, it is. It's more like a proverb. It's not a prayer. It's not a song because it's there to tell us some information, some wisdom that helps to make all the rest of it work, to helps to, to make all the rest of it be what God wants it to be. Okay, so the first thing that someone needs to know when they are literally as far away from their connection to God that they can possibly think physically, emotionally, and spiritually is this. 
the first thing thing to know, well, astronaut Mark Watney actually decided that. He decided that the only way he was going to survive when he was so far away was to not think about the fact that he was so far away, but instead to put down roots where he was. To put down roots where he was. That's the advice that Psalm 1 gives us as well. Let's take a look at that. So Psalm 1 says this. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither Whatever they do prospers, but not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Psalm 1 is about being firmly planted. The Israelites had been uprooted, and instead of God telling them that they needed to run as quickly as they could to get back home, the advice God gave them was to plant where they were. I'm a runner now. Remember, I hated wrestling. I love running. It's really simple. You just go to straight line. It doesn't use as nearly as many muscles. It's not nearly as complicated. I can listen to my music or whatever. Running is way easier than wrestling. God did not want them to run. He wanted them to wrestle. He wanted them to be where they were, to plant themselves where they were, and to let him work on them and make them grow in the midst of all of that. Remember, this sounds so easy, and I love it. In all the conversations I had this week, so many people said, oh, I love Psalm 1. There's so much good stuff in there. It sounds so easy because we've heard it so many times. But remember, planting is wrestling. Planting is hard work. Psalm 1 gives us two specific ways that we're supposed to do that. You see it in the center. It talks about spending time in God's Word, spending time meditating on God's Word. Dave talked all about that last week, so I'm not going to dig too much into that, but it means that we have to plant ourselves in Him and what He says life is supposed to be like. And it means that we need to oppose those who say life should be any other way. The wicked, sitting in the council of scoffers or mockers, those who say, ah, God's way is not the way to, to go, those are the ones that we need to be careful to stay away from. So plant ourselves in God's way, stay away from the other way. Planting in Babylon meant uh, making a life while they were there, but not becoming a part of that culture. And when they did that, well, an example, a few examples of that, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are some examples we hear in children's stories all the time, right? Well, think about what they did. They all got jobs in the kingdom. They all excelled in those jobs. They went up through the ranks in those jobs. They did what they were supposed to do in all of those things. They planted themselves where they were. But when the ungodly demands of the king and the culture came, their reward was... They, they defied those things, and their reward was they were thrown in a lion's den and in a fiery furnace, respectively, right? Hard. But sometimes that's what God calls us to do. Plant where we are. Do what he asks us to do. Oppose the things that are against him. And that's where we grow. 
Now, the thing about this that makes it kind of tough to think is some ways it sounds so spiritual and wispy and up there and floating around and, oh, if you get everything right, then you can have a connection with God. And that's not what we're talking about. Figuring out our faith, wrestling through our faith with God isn't about making ourselves more heavenly. It's about making ourselves more earthy. I didn't say more earthly. I said more earthy. A connection with God doesn't begin with what we can't see. It begins with what we do see. It begins in the dirt and the feces and the hard work of planting ourselves in him and in his word, wherever he happens to allow us to be, whatever those circumstances are. See, God allowed his people to be exiled to Babylon so they would learn to relate to him without the trappings of the familiar. They needed to get back to the dirty messy basics or they would never be able to connect with him one of the prophets that spoke to the israelites when they were in babylon was the prophet jeremiah and he had some advice in chapter 29 of what he wrote and this is what he said this is god's word the lord almighty gave this word and he says to all those i carried into exile from jerusalem to babylon he says build houses and settle down plant gardens, and eat what they produce. soldier forth, onward and upward, in the mission of their agency. By doing so, they honor the legacy Mark's leaving behind, and they ensure his sacrifice will not be in vain. Actually, uh, an appropriate spiritual analogy, because the process of planting is actually the process of dying. Jesus said that in order to gain life, we have to lose it. And he knew what he was talking about, because he gave his actual life by dying on the cross, so that we could have a chance to have real life through him. Mark Watney watched that process play out on Mars. He wrestled with the ground. Eventually, it produced a seedling. And I love how the filmmakers tied the very first signs of life on Mars with his funeral back on Earth. Because that's how God says it works. When we find ourselves far away from everything that we feel connects us to God, we have to be willing to go through the messy process of planting ourselves in him and in his word. We have to be willing to plant ourselves where we are without giving into the wickedness of the world around us. We have to be willing to die to ourselves. From that death comes life. In this service, we've got our group of students that are here. I'm glad to be able to speak to y'all. Let me talk to you students for a second. Some of you have something new coming up in your life. Maybe you're going away for the first time. Maybe you're going to a new school for the first time. Maybe there's a new experience or you will find new friends 
at your new situation. And what God says is plant yourself where you are. Get involved. Do all the things in that new environment. But make sure that your roots are in him, in his word. And then when there are other influences that come into your life, and there will be, that's part of being a student. That's part of being your age. When those other influences come into your life, you've got to deflect those things. You've got to stay firm in him. And that's where you can see those roots going down and you becoming something that God wants you to become. That's where that happens. That's true for all of us. It's especially true for students. And let's face it, life is hard. And if I got up here and I said that it's not, I'd be faking it, right? You guys know that. I know that. God knows it. The writers of Psalms knew that. That's what the Psalms are for. The Psalms are there to help us not just feel good about things, not just to have songs to sing, but they're there because we can find what other people have gone through in their lives before and how they wrestled through that with God. And we can now find a way to connect with God through that. They are a guidebook to help us during the most difficult parts of life. And when you think about the fact that they were written and put together to help the nation of Israel during literally the most difficult time of their nation's history when they thought there was no way they could connect, connect with God. That's comforting to me. Well, I have one more clip I want to show you from The Martian. I'm not going to give away the end of the story. Uh, it's a great movie. I encourage you to see it. Just be aware uh, if you uh, are one that is bothered by language, there's quite a bit of language in there, or there's some language in the movie, I should say. But it's a great story in what it tells. I'm not going to give away the end. I just want to show you one more clip, clip though, as we conclude. It's been 48 souls since I planted the potatoes, so now it's time to reap and re-sow. They grew even better than I expected. I now have 400 healthy potato plants. I dug them up, being careful to leave their plants alive. The smaller ones I'll reseed, the larger ones are my food supply. All natural, organic, Martian-grown potatoes. You don't hear that every day, do you? And by the way, none of this matters at all if I can't figure out a way to make contact with NASA. Mark Watney knew that none of his planning mattered if he didn't make contact with Earth. His goal was not to figure out how to live on Mars by himself. His goal was to figure out how to live on Earth. He had to plant himself first where he was in the midst of the tragedy and the difficult. And that's what God asks us to do. But planting is just the theme of Psalm 1. The rest of the Psalms move on from there. And so here's what I want to leave you with today. The first thing is wherever God has put you, Wherever you are, plant yourself in the messy, in the complicated, in the difficult. God has put you there for a reason. Jeremiah 29 that we looked at, that message was found in 29 verses 4 and 5. He said, plant yourself, you know, get a job, make some food, eat from it. That's okay. Have a house where you are. Put yourself where you are. But one of the most popular verses in all of scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, you've heard it, you know it. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Plans for good, but not to harm you. Jeremiah 29, 11 comes right after those verses. In the midst of the planting in the most difficult time of their lives, God says, I have a future plan for you, but you got to start by planting. So do that. Plant yourself. When you put your roots in God, you can become a flourishing tree through his grace. But the second thing is this. I want you to, to, to remember what Mark Watney, what his purpose was. It wasn't about him. 
It wasn't about trying to become the best version of, of himself or learning how to pull himself up by his bootstraps. When we do the hard work of that, it's about a connection with God, and it's about a connection with God's people. And that's where the Psalms can be such a great tool. And that's what's so awesome about what we're doing this summer. You're hearing from a variety of different Psalms because that's where the real work happens. You're going to have your emotions. You're going to have your ups and downs. You're going to have the good parts of your life. But if you plant yourself in him, then the Psalms can be this spectacular tool to take you through all of those parts of life and still allow you to connect with God. If you do that, if you use them, if you use God's word, in this instance, you use the Psalms, it will allow you to make contact with him. He will meet you there. He will wrestle with you. And in the end, out of that wrestling match comes the life that he intends for you to have. Let's pray. God, it is difficult comparing it to a wrestling match or farming shows us how difficult this life can be, Lord. And yet you call us to be where you've put us, to plant ourselves right there in your word, to deflect those who try to keep us from doing what we know you want us to do, Lord. And that's hard. I pray that you will be with each of us as we go through the day in, the day out. But help us also to know that you don't mind wrestling with us. We can be up, we can be down, and that's okay. We can be angry, we can be happy, and that's okay. Thank you that you are willing to wrestle with us, God, that you're willing to meet us wherever we are, and that you're willing to show us who you are in the midst of it. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now, before I let you go, I'm going to give you one thing. Like I said, I've been reading through the Psalms this summer, and so I want to encourage you. If you want to join in that, we've put together an email, and if you want to join us in this, starting uh, Tuesday, which is the first day of August, for, the net, for 31 days in August, some of us are going to be reading the Psalms together. We've got a reading plan uh, using the Bible app that will help us with that to go through five or six or so Psalms a day. So if you want to do that with us, uh, just text the words, I'm in, to read Psalms at yourhillside.com, and we'll do that together over this next month. In the meantime, you're dismissed. Have fun wrestling. <laughs>